welcome to the Upson Beacon Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Stewart, the sports editor at the Upson Beacon. Thank you for joining me on episode number one of the pod. In today's episode, I'm going to look at a big win for Upson Lee football over McIntosh and Upson Lee's new future with a brand new, fresh offense. We'll also look over the weeks from Upson Lee softball and volleyball, and later we'll talk some college football, some NFL football, and why you definitely should not trust me when it comes to picking games. Let's dive right into it. All right, so Upson Lee took on McIntosh at Matthews Field, and we looked like we were in for a close one. McIntosh rolled out with a couple of big guys, some big receivers out on the edge, but Upson Lee came in there and just manhandled this thing. Trey Blutzer started the game with a 60-yard touchdown to the right side, and he just ran away from him with 10-15 left on the clock. Upson Lee took a 7-0 lead. McIntosh came back, and they uh, put a charge into a little drive there. They marched it down on Upson Lee. Upson Lee looked a little confused, couldn't stop the run there. Tate Morris dropped it into Theo Elwell to cap off a long drive and tie this ball game up. That was pretty much it from there for Upson Lee's struggles on defense. They handled this thing very well, and they made some adjustments and figured things out what McIntosh was trying to do, and they made quick work of them for about the rest of the game. On the other side of the ball, McIntosh did not have the same luck as Trey Bloodser had a night. The kid went off for 169 yards. He totaled three touchdowns. Two of those came in the first two drives of the game. Like I said, a 60-yard touchdown on the first drive. The next one he broke for a 54-yarder to give Upson Lee the lead in which they would not give back to McIntosh. In the second quarter, Terry Searcy Jr., the big man, TJ, took in a one-yard touchdown and made it a 20-7 game. Had a false start there coming for the extra point, and that threw Ethan Davis off a little bit. He missed that one. That's his first missed extra point of the year. He has been vastly improved. Upson Lee got the ball back pretty quickly in the second quarter and was able to punch in another explosive play. K.J. Rockamore ran through a big gap, and that kid's got some speed. He ran away with a 58-yarder and made it 27-7 going into halftime, and it could not have gone any better for Upson Lee in the first half of this thing. They were just manhandling uh, McIntosh, and they were really just the more physical team. Big gaps on offense, uh, big gaps running through the O-line, and with the speed that these guys have, they were able to stretch this field out really quickly. In the third quarter, Trey Blutzer got another touchdown, a 35-yarder this time. I guess he got tired of running the length of the field, had to make this one a little shorter. But anyways, he put that one in, and Upson Lee took a 34-7 lead in the fourth quarter with about four minutes left to play. Keiston Smith punched in a touchdown, made it 40-7, and that capped the scoring for Upson Lee. McIntosh took advantage of, or a muffed punt on short field position. They did punch in a touchdown there late, but this thing was far from over, and no comeback would be in order for the Chiefs. Upson Lee moved on to 2-1 on the year, and man, do they have a refreshed season. McIntosh struggled to move the ball. They only had 49 rushing yards in the first half. They had 59 passing. And man, Upson Lee's defense just looks like a really good defense, especially up front. Now, they still struggled a little bit against Harris County two weeks ago um, on the deep ball, some physical receivers they struggled with. But Upson Lee stood up to the task against some big guys this week. Uh, McIntosh rolled in with two big receivers, 
Theo Elwell, the tight end, about 6'6", 225. And on the outside, Emeka Ilo, the big man, 6'8", but he did not make much of an impact. He actually got in his head there a little bit as he got hit hard once and lost a little bit of his composure. But Upson Lee, the more physical team, that's what Coach Justin Elder wants to do, and that's what they're doing. And this team is recharged, okay? They, they had a tough loss against LaGrange, and things weren't looking great. The spread did not move the ball very well. But they put their nose down and they moved into this new formation, running the wing tee, at least a, a version of it. And they're bought in. Everyone knows that this thing is going to work. And so it's encouraging. It's refreshed. And Upsonly looking at some games on the schedule that they're going to win now. And things could get dicey in this region as it's not looking super great. We'll, look at, we'll take a look at those standings here in a minute. But I want to talk about Trey Blutzer a little bit more. He took Athlete of the Week at the Upson Beacon. He just ran through some gaps and just ran away with it, folks. He, No one was catching him. So uh, he totaled, like I said, 169 yards, three touchdowns for him. And the way this offense runs and the talented backs that are in this backfield, this could be anybody on any, any given night. I mean, they got four or five guys that could run away at any given time, whether it be Trey Blutzer, whether it be Detravius Mathis, whether it be Jaden Weems and even Keaston Smith. They can all take it away, and we know the big man, Terry Searcy Jr., TJ, he's going to run. I don't know if he's going to outrun anybody, but he can sure overpower a few guys there at the line. Looking at the standings around the region, it's been a tough start to the year for Region 2 AAA as far as football goes. You look at Upson Lee and Mary Persons, both sit at 2-1 and one so far. Mary Persons with a 42-0 victory over Towers, a 42-28 victory over McDonough. But they're coming off a loss. They lost 39-32 against Noonan last week. The only other team with a win in the region is Jackson High School. They started the year 0-1, losing a nail-biter 27-26 to Ola. They took a victory 24-2014 over Laney, but last week lost to Lamar County 35-24. And that Lamar County team has had a rough start to the year with all the COVID that they've had and all the issues, you know, Upson Lee was supposed to scrimmage them early on before the year began, but they were unable to. Chris County, they played some tough teams, but they've started off 0-3. This is a top 10 ranked team coming into the year. They've lost to Houston County 27-24, shut out by Perry 21-0, and they just recently lost to Eagles Landing Christian Academy. That's a good program, but they lost 21-18. to And now I'm not counting this Chris County team off. These three really good programs that they've played, of course, a good ball game against Housen County and a really good game against Elka. This team is probably still the favorite in the region, although they started off that non-region play 0-3. Obviously, the talent margin between the teams that Mary Persons and Upson Lee have played versus the teams that we're going to look at Chris County and Peach have played are two different types of teams. Peach County also started the year 0-3, losing to a team out of Phoenix City, Alabama, 42-23 in the opener. They lost to Northside Warner Robins, 28-14, and just lost to Griffin High School, 65-10. Griffin High School looks like they're going to be a really good program. They lost by about a touchdown or so to Lowndes County, who we all know is a powerhouse of a program. Central Macon is sitting at 0-3 as well. They lost to Howard High School to begin this year, and... Upson Lee took a victory over Howard in the spring game way back in May. Pike County, who Upson Lee is going to see next week, is 0-2. They lost 28-7 to Lamar and 49-28 to Spalding. America Sumter's also 0-2, 41-14 to Hardaway and 35-7 to Worth County. 
on the loss there. So not a great start in the non-region play for Region 2 AAA. Upson Lee actually is probably going to sit at the top of this region if you were to make standings, although the non-region play really doesn't say much. It doesn't say a ton, but it does say a little bit when you got Chris County and Peach who are both ranked in the top 10. They haven't scraped away with a win yet. But we will see how good these two teams really are. We'll see how good all these teams really are when they start facing off and clacking pads with each other. So, but Upson Lee has a lot of new life in their program. You got guys that are bought into what they're doing. Coach Justin Elder basically said after the Lagrange game that I'm paraphrasing here, but he told his guys, "Look, we're not gonna we're not gonna move the ball. We're not gonna win. We're not gonna be in the best position to make a playoff push running the spread like they had in recent years." So. The veterans of that team, these guys that are now going both ways for pretty much the entire game, they've bought in and you've seen a lot of passion, a lot of good, um, a lot of guys being really good teammates pushing for each other and got two big wins in the non-region play and there's just two massive wins the way that it's changed the way that the perspective of this team is looking. They'll face Pike County in what is always a good game, a good rivalry next week at Upson Lee at Matthews Field starting at 7.30. Looking at softball, they had another tough week going 0-2 after losses to Jackson and Pike County. Upson Lee was shut down by Caitlin Flanders. She pitched the first shutout to Upson Lee this of the year. The Jackson Lady Red Devils took a 1-0 win as the Upson Lee offense continues to be a little slow they've had some struggles hitting with runners in scoring position and unfortunately they have not been able to climb out of that little rut that they're in Hannah Van Houten had a had a double in the first inning against Jackson that was the only extra base hit in that game for the Knights however Gracie Self did pitch a great game only allowing one run to a good Jackson team who's leading the region right now as they sit 3-0 and just beat Chris County 5-4 recently Upson Lee traveled over to Pike County to wrap up the season series and they were met by an offensive explosion from the Lady Pirates and then Sydney Knight broke out of her rough stretch where she was struggling to hit with runners in scoring position she got a single to break out of that and drive in two runs and give up suddenly a two to zero lead as they rolled in out of the first inning rather and but Pike County came with guns a blazing in the bottom of the first inning they scored four runs on two doubles and a two run home run and it was pretty much all Pike County from there. They scored three runs in the second, two runs in the third. Upson Lee got a run in the fourth inning on a double from Gracie Self. But Pike County added a run in the fifth and the sixth. And that run ruled the, the Lady Knights. Pike County even the series with an 11-3 lead. And, and the Lady Knights are now struggling as they've dropped to fifth in the region with a 4-4 four four record. 7-6 and six overall. They sit behind... Jackson, who's 8-3 and 3-0 and and in the region. Like I said, they just beat Chris County, handed them their first region loss of the year. And then Pike County is 8-2, and 5-1 in the region. They're tied with Chris County, both in the standings, and they also had a game that was delayed because Pike County's lights didn't work. They had to stop a game that was tied 3-3 in the sixth inning and move that game to the last day of the regular season when Pike County's going to travel down to Chris County and they're gonna play the sixth and seventh inning of this game, and they'll also play the next game of the series. So they'll have two games that could very well decide the top seed in the region playoffs that are gonna get played really not even two games. It's gonna be a game in two innings, or 
So that's going to be a wild day. That'll be on September 30th down in Chris County. Uh, Mary Person sits right in front of Upson Lee. They're 4-3, and three, and right now they do have a 1-0 record against Upson Lee. Upson Lee is going to look to even that series and hopefully um, climb out of that fifth position to get the fourth spot there, headed into the region tournament. For volleyball, they ran into a buzzsaw against Houston County. Houston County, probably the best team that they've, play, they've played this year outside of Whitewater, which they played in, the, in their opener. Houston County beat them 25-7, 25-8, and 25-8 in three sets in order. And then Upson Lee hosted Spalding, but they were without two key players, Upson Lee was, Leanna Fowler and Lindsey Eldridge. They dropped the first two sets, 25-12 and 25-16. They did go on to force a, force a fourth set with a 25-18 third set, which they won, but Spalding took a 25-18 victory of their own in the fourth set to seal the game. Reese Phillips and Gracie Parker had to step up in the absence of the two regulars for the Upson Lee that were missing, and they played pretty pretty well. Um, this is a game that Upson Lee probably would have won had they had their best six on the floor, but Upson Lee still um, made it a competitive game, even though they had to sub in Reese Phillips, who's a freshman, and kind of threw her into the uh, fire pretty quickly there. But she's going to be a good one. Um, Upson Lee's volleyball program has a very bright future as they're getting a lot of athletes out there and Coach Holiday's doing a great job. Upson Lee is now, I think, 5-17 and 17 on the year and they've got a couple more games going into the non-region slate before they finally open up and play some region games this Saturday and we'll get more into that in the next episode. Upson Lee Cross Country will travel to Warner Robins this Tuesday to run their third race of the year. Upson Lee without a couple guys out on injury and they're still pending on whether or not Lexi Green will be able to run for the Knights at Warner Robins but this is a fun course this uh, course that's fast and pretty honest gives you a pretty good idea of how good and how in shape these runners are going to be it's a middle of the year type of race and Upson Lee's going to look to do well they're coming off of two weeks of doing some more aerobic speed work and so that's last week for Upson Lee, looking in a little bit to next week as well. And we're now going to roll into some college football NFL picks. If you're familiar with the paper, if you get your Upson Beacon um, paper every week, when the fall rolls around, we have 10 games every week, 10 college football, mostly some NFL games that we pick. And you can play along, you can submit your picks and show us how much of an expert you are. If you're really good at it, you might win some cash if you take first, second, or third there. We also have seven other contributors that um, do the contest all year for us. And then, of course, I sub in, as I'm supposed to know what I'm talking about, but we're finding out here quickly that I do not. So on Saturday, things were looking good for me. The first game of the week was Iowa-Iowa State, the big Cyhawk game. Iowa took a 27-17 victory. I had them winning that one, so I started the week 1-0. I had Arkansas also hosting Texas and playing spoiler. They did just that, beating them 40-21. I thought it would just be funny if Arkansas could beat Texas and tell them a little, hey, welcome to the SEC. This is what you're going to be getting here in a few years. Nothing's easy around here in the Southeastern Conference. So I started the week 2-0 and went 3-0 when Michigan beat Washington 31-10. South Carolina just squeezed out a victory over East Carolina, 20-17. I had South Carolina winning that one. So I started the week 4-0 and made it 5-0 when Pittsburgh beat Tennessee at Neyland Stadium, 41-32. I did drop the late game, 
I had Utah beating BYU. BYU ran away with that one, 26 to 17. But I went five and one out of the six college football games, and I was feeling really good about myself. Last week, I went five and five overall, and it looks like I'm gonna do it again as we flip the page into Sunday. And the Falcons did not beat the Eagles. Why do I even pick the Falcons anymore? I mean. Come on, I, I should have learned my lesson last year. The Falcons didn't give me many wins. But I thought the new Arthur Smith era, maybe they could do something, but I don't know. Philadelphia did look pretty good. Jalen Hurts, obviously, is going to be a star. Philadelphia won that game 32-6. to And I had the Buffalo Bills beating the Steelers, and they didn't do it. Steelers beat, won that game 26-16. to I also had the Tennessee Titans beating Arizona Cardinals. I was wrong again as the Cardinals won that one 38-13. And then as I was hoping to just have a winning record this week, Miami snuck out with a 17-16 victory over the Patriots. And that's four losses by four home teams there. I went, I picked it pretty chalk going home team, home team, home team, but didn't come up with that. So I'm looking at, I'm 10-10 to start the year. That's not going to do it. We've got some smart guys playing this competition, some smart ladies too, and they're, they're putting it to me. So send your help. You know, Email me at jstewart at upsandbeacon.com. Give me some advice. Tell me what's going on. I need all the help that I can get. All right, we're going to look a little bit deeper into that Falcons game. Of course, they lost that one to Philadelphia 32-6. Jalen Hurts was 27-35, of threw for 264 yards and three touchdowns. And the Falcons... They rushed only like just over 100 yards in the new Smith era where he's coming from a team in Tennessee that had Derrick Henry and did a lot of running the ball. I think we're expecting to see a lot of that this year, but they couldn't really get it going. Neither could Matt Ryan in the air, 164 passing yards. He was sacked three times. They just couldn't get anything going on offense after the first couple drives where Young Wei Koo punched in two field goals. And... The problem here is that we know the defense is going to be bad until we can get some talent around the, around Grady Jarrett and the guys. So the offense is just, it's got to be good. And when they're not moving the ball, it makes you worry. You know, we're going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next next week. So you can almost chalk in that we're going to start this one 0-2. And the Smith era is off and running. Jumping over to the Braves. They took two or three from the Marlins and took a four and a half game lead over the Phillies. The Phillies have went three and seven in the last 10 games as the Braves haven't been great, but they've been good enough. And that's kind of been the tell of the season all year. Ozzie Albies, he keeps mashing. He had a go ahead home run in the 5-3 win on Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon, the matinee. Freddie Freeman also homered on his 32nd birthday. Happy birthday to Freddie Freeman. Can we please give him a contract? as a birthday present. Wouldn't that be good? Get the man paid, get him a nice house here in Atlanta, and keep him from rolling over to South Ca South California next year in free agency. Man, that would be awful if we saw that. But they're saying the deal's going to get done, so I'm holding on to it. But as, as an Atlanta sports fan, I'm well accustomed to disappointment, so that's just something that I really hope does not happen. But it's basically magic number time for the Braves. It's mid-September. The magic number now sits at 16 for them to win that division. They're, they're 76 and 66, 10 games over 500. They're going to host Colorado for three games before they take another West Coast swing. UGA got the big win, 56-7 over the University of Alabama, Birmingham. They stay at number two in the power rankings, I'm assuming. Stetson Bennett, the mailman, subbed in for JT Daniels there in his absence. 
Bennett went 10 for 12 with 288 yards. He had five touchdowns. He just came out throwing bombs, to be honest with you. He connected with a lot of them. He looked good. Brock Bowers had three catches for 107, and he had a touchdown. That freshman tied in, man. He has really stepped up in the absence of some missing receivers and targets for um, UGA, and he's kind of made a name for himself. I'm assuming he's going to be a primary role for the rest of this year. Trayvon Walker, the Upson Lee alumni, he had two tackles in the game. And another big guy, defensive end Jordan Davis, he's a 6'6", 330-pounder. He recently signed the NIL deal. If you are familiar with NIL, that is name, image, and likeness, where NCAA players are now allowed to profit off of that. And he signed a deal with Gorilla Glue. Pretty cool. Big. I think they call themselves the, the toughest glue on the planet. So he might just be the toughest, biggest man that there is in college football right now. There was a play in that game where he just flat out ran down the quarterback from UAB, made the tackle, and when you got a guy that's 6'6", 330 pounds, and can run down a quarterback, you got something special. UGA improves to 2-0 on the year. Georgia Tech got their first win of the year with a 45-17 victory over Kennesaw State after a heartbreaking loss to NIU last week. Jordan Yates went 17 for 23 with 254 yards and four touchdowns. Kyrie McGowan had six catches for 91 yards and a touchdown, or two touchdowns that is. And Georgia Tech is 1-1 now. They're going to keep rolling on. I believe they play Clemson next week, so we will see how that goes. That's going to be it for the look around of the big sports around the state of Georgia. And I'm going to give you a player to watch this week around Upson Lee. player for this week is K.K. Duncan. Now, the reason K.K. Duncan is a key player is because Hannah Van Houten has had an injury. She actually separated her shoulder twice in an at-bat against Jackson. And it doesn't look like Van Houten is going to be able to take any more at-bats this season. That's very unfortunate for a lineup that's already scuffling a little bit. She is a big-time bat. She was um, leading the team with five doubles, and she had two home runs. I was tied for the lead with Sydney Knight. So that's a big, big bat that's going to be out of this lineup. And Duncan is the fill-in. So Duncan is going to have to step up, and she looks good. Um, Coach Taylor English talks highly of her. She uh, says she's a workhorse, says she does a lot of work in the weight room is really good she's fast and has a good swing she only has five at bats this season as she plays a lot of um, corner outfield for the, for the lady knights but has not been a primary bat but spot is hers for the taking so if upson lee wants to continue to be in this thing they're going to need her to be a big bat and so i know upson lee is rooting for her and i think she's going to have a big week i think she's going to benefit from getting regular at bats and the future is now for her if you wants to make a run so that's going to be it for me. Once again, that's I'm Jacob Stewart. I'm the sports editor at the Upson Beacon. You can find this podcast twice a week wherever you get your podcast. I'll be coming to you on Mondays, and it'll be also coming to you on Thursday mornings. Next episode, we'll preview the big matchup, Pike County versus Upson Lee. We'll talk about what, uh, what Coach Justin Elder thinks is going to happen. We'll talk about what I think is going to happen. We'll also talk about next week's college football picks. And I don't know, at this point, you might as well not listen to me because I'm not doing too great. Also, another thing, if you want to send me in some questions, I'd love to answer anything that you got to ask, sports-related, please. And uh, so I'll see you on Thursday. This is Jacob Stewart. Thank you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at JacobStewart29, JacobStewart29. 
So thank you for listening. I'm Jacob Stewart. Um, enjoy your week. Make it out to a ball game if you can. And if you do, I might just see you there.